Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, as we think about work, I'm fairly sure that we'll have lots of different thoughts that spring to mind. A primary school child once became curious when her father brought home this briefcase full of papers every evening. And her mother had just explained, well, daddy has so much to do that he can't finish it all at the office. And that's why he has to bring the work home at night. Well then, asked the child, why don't they just put him in a slower group? (laughs) Nice idea. And when we hear this word work, well it might be that we think of one thing, several things or many things. But I doubt really if any of us would say that we never have any work to do or something that we might call work. Work is much more than, say, just a job, isn't it? Work is lots of the things we do might be considered work. So how do you consider your work? Let's just uh, have a look at a couple of little cartoons and see if you can identify with any of these. The time pressure there. <coughs> Do we ever get to the end of work, I guess? Hmm. Now, help you think about this just a little bit further. Just get it in, into this for yourself. I'd, I'd like us just in um, pairs or threes or just turn around or next, someone next to you to just talk through these three things for a few minutes so that you can just clarify for you. What do you call work? What do you call work? And why do you effectively do it? What's its purpose and why do you do it? So if I just give you a few minutes just to chat about that uh, with someone nearby, those three things. If we can draw those discussions to a close. Hopefully, then, as we think about things this morning, um, you can think of yourself and your work and what what you're doing uh, as we go through and look at some of these things. Well, work can be all sorts of things, can't it? It can be paid employment. It can be even looking for work or work in the home, a parent, a carer, a student, retirement, volunteering, church work. And we probably covered even more than that as um, a church as we were discussing that. But what is its purpose? Why do we do it? Is it to pay bills? Or provide? Is it to enable us to support the church and missionary work? Is it actually to be a witness for Christ? What is the purpose of our work? Why do we do it? Do we live to work? Or do we work 
to live. Were we born to work? Or has work been thrust upon us? And these are some of the things we'll examine as we look at this topic this morning. Culturally, we do tend to describe ourselves by the work that we do. And we might say something like, I'm an engineer, I'm a secretary, I'm a student, I'm a mum. We seem to need to have an identity that is tied up with the work that we do. And that can actually make it very difficult to say things like, I'm unemployed, I'm retired, I have ill health, I can't work. And here we may tend to speak of what we are trained to do or what we last did. But I think the issue here is that our identity is sometimes tied up with the work we do. And our society places a great emphasis on this. But what about the community of believers in Christ, the church? Is that the same? Or is that different? The word work can also have many negative connotations. And it can imply something that we have to do. There's no choice, and that inherently makes it bad. And we may say things or think things, and this is me, I might say, I'm sorry, I can't go fishing that day, I've got to go to work. I'm going to be home late because something has cropped up at work. I've been working hard all day, I don't have the energy to go to house group tonight, I need a rest. Is work a negative thing? Did God really plan this? Wasn't life supposed to be an idyllic paradise in the garden? Well, the title for today is Born to Work. What work is it that we are born to do? Let us look right back at the beginning in Genesis when God created man. So let's have a look at Genesis chapter 2. It's on page four of the Red Bibles. And we'll start reading um, from verse four. We'll read from four to eight and then we'll skip to 15. Genesis chapter two and verse four. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So that's come to the end of that little section there. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. 
If we go to verse 15 now. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Well, what work is going on here? We see God at work. God made the earth and the heavens. But things hadn't begun to happen yet because God had not sent the rain. God is at work. So we, as creatures made in God's image, might also expect to work. And that is exactly what is recorded in verse 15. Man is not put into the garden to enjoy a life of rest. That's not what it says. It says man is put into the garden to work it and take care of it. Note that this is before the temptation and fall of man. So this work is still in God's perfect plan. The unspoiled creation involves man's work. Man isn't created simply to amuse God or to give God something to do. Man has a purpose. He is to be in relationship with God and carry out God's work. It's pretty high calling. To be in relationship with God and carry out God's work. This is man's purpose. Man is born to work. Well, what happens then in chapter 3? Now, we probably know the story. Um, that if you don't, feel free, feel free to... Um, have a little scan through in chapter 3, we see that man sins. And the whole order of the world is messed up. The relationship between God and man is completely messed up. And it ends up with God throwing man out of the garden. And the work of tending the earth and looking after it becomes pretty much impossible to do. It becomes so hard that it becomes virtually impossible. And we only read a few chapters further on that God plans to flood the world and spare only Noah. That is how messed up things have become. And if we can imagine Adam being thrown out of the garden, whereas he was perhaps working God's garden for God, in a good relationship with God, carrying out that original purpose, work is now something that he needs to do in order to survive, to exist. He's got to work the ground. It's going to bear thistles and thorns. It's all going to be much harder. So work might now be seen as something that has to be done in order to survive. But is this really the case? Well, without a relationship with God, then quite possibly yes, it is. 
We need work for security, provision, purpose, self-esteem, worth. Those things that we already had in God, but were lost when Adam was banished from the garden. In reality, God can still supply us with our needs of security and daily essentials and purpose and value. But we need our relationship with him to be restored first. And then work might be used to provide these things, but as a gift from God, not as an entity in itself. Work, a gift? That's a strange idea. Let's read a little bit from Ecclesiastes in chapter 5. This is on um, page 672. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, page 672. Um, The book of Ecclesiastes is is one of the wisdom books in the Bible. Um, It's a book that prompts us to think about our actions, values, priorities and attitudes in the light of an almighty God. And it is risky to take just a little bit of a book like this. Um, so I would encourage you, if you've got a few minutes to read the, the whole lot, it's well worth it. Um, if you want to examine your attitude toward work and toward God and the material and social issues we face, this is a great book to read. But we're going to read um, a couple of verses from chapter 5, starting at verse 18. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. For this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work. This is a gift of God. So work may be considered a gift from God, even after the fall and the banishment from the Garden of Eden. Not because of the work itself, but because of our attitude toward it. Can two people do the same job for the same pay, same conditions, and only one of them be content? Of course. It depends on our attitude to the work rather than what the work is. The man described in Ecclesiastes finds satisfaction and accepts his lot And these are attitudes and approaches to work. And they're not caused by the work itself. I remember seeing a program. I I can't remember the name of it. It was about Britain and grime. and uh, Someone might might know. It was a few years back now. Um, But there was a guy there that I can remember thinking he, he was a bit unusual. Because he worked for the council. 
um, with various other people, and his job was to go around and clear and unblock sewers. And he just looked at it and thought, oh, this is, this is what, a, what a job. Um, but he seemed really to enjoy it. And he was really happy with his work, he was contented with it. But he wasn't highly paid. He wasn't really highly respected by society, although when you watched the sort of things he did, he did give him quite a lot of respect. Um, and his work wasn't what I would call inherently enjoyable. Not like um, maybe uh, when I watch Top Gear and I think, yeah, I'd enjoy presenting a show like that where I can go and drive all these cars and then just talk about it and have a lot of fun. It wasn't inherently enjoyable work. So, is it all about us and our attitude and working at being content? Well, is that any different from saying things like, don't be ambitious, don't try and better yourself, accept what comes your way, let people walk all over you, let them pay you what they want, when they want, just be content and accept your lot. Well, I think there's something missing from that. If we try to find contentment and purpose and security by just working at whatever we're given, then we will surely fail. Contentment, purpose, security, value, these things don't really come from the work itself. And neither do they come through an approach that settles for our lot in life. And if we turn to the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul urge us to work in a different way. Do Christians have anything different from the rest of society? Is it possible to tell a Christian, by the way, they carry out whatever they call work? Well, let's have a look at Colossians chapter 3. That's on page 1184. And we'll read verses 23 and 24. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I'm going to read that again. It's it's a really key couple of verses for how, um, how we work. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord... Not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And this is it. This is the difference. 
Christians have the joy of a restored relationship with God through Christ. Once that relationship is restored, the work, whatever it is, becomes God's work again. Almost like being placed back in the garden. And this means we can approach it as for the Lord. Sure, we may still have a boss, a line manager, policies to follow, criteria to meet and deadlines to work towards. But ultimately, we work not for another person, not for ourselves, but for God. He placed Adam in the garden to work it. If your relationship with God is restored, you will be able to say that he placed you in whatever your work is and whatever you called work earlier when you were talking about it. And the joy of this is that we work for the Lord. It does mean we can view pay, conditions, promotions, redundancies in a slightly different light. So that's it then. It's all easy, straightforward. Work with a restored relationship with God. Well, we work for him now. And it's just fine and we are content. And uh, we just do everything as if we're doing it for the Lord. Well, that's not easy. And as people, we find that quite hard to do. And frankly, that's not going to happen unless we actually carry that out and work a little differently too. So our different view of work, whether it be in paid employment, in the home, volunteering, serving the church, our different view will lead us to carry out our work differently. Hopefully. If you are working primarily for the Lord Jesus Christ, and seeing your work as serving him, then you may well expect to see some differences between the way you work and the way your colleagues work, if they are working for the boss or the company or themselves. We will be wholehearted in our work because it's for the Lord. Why would we give him anything less than our whole heart? We will be honest. We will have integrity because we know the Lord is watching us. He's with us. We're working for him. And we will stand for justice and seek the good of others above ourselves. So our work, if we work like that, will probably bring us opportunities to demonstrate the love of Christ. Especially to those who don't yet know him and who don't recognize Jesus as Lord. There'll be opportunity to serve others sacrificially and with no reward. And if you work in a group of people who are with others who are Christians, you may well have opportunities to meet up with them, pray, Prayers within um, the same people in the same job or the same company. That's a really powerful thing. 
you can get together with people who have, have the same sort of experiences and understandings in that place of work and really pray for your place of work. So, to summarise, I'm going to take um, a couple of lists from a couple of books. The first one is a book called Work, Prison or Place of Destiny um, by David Oliver. Um, That's uh, quite a useful book. It's quite an old copy, but you're very welcome to borrow that. Um, And he summarises in this way. I will read it out. I know you can read, but um, otherwise, if it's on the CD or the um, online, this kind of doesn't work. So, work is not there for prosperity. It's not there for personal fulfilment. It's not there to provide for the church. It's not there as a tent-making type role to fulfil another ministry. And it's not there to train us for leadership. Those may well be fruits, but the actual reason we work is that God works and we are created in his image. So, some transferable principles for the world of work. Rest on God our Saviour when we feel the need to prove ourselves. Does that often happen at work? We feel the need to prove ourselves. Rest on God. Serve God our master when we worry about the expectations of others. What about if we think things are getting a bit out of control? Well, trust God our provider. Sometimes we might feel that work has got a hold on us, we've had enough. Don't want to do any more. Make God our refuge when we want to escape. What about this one? Overworking for money. We need to enjoy God. God is our joy. Enjoy God our joy when we feel the attraction of overworking for money. And wait for God, our hope, when we feel we have to make the most of life now. Now I took those six points from a book called The Busy Christian's Guide to Busyness. Uh, which I borrowed from Martin, and he assures me it's still around, and if he wanted to borrow it, you could ask him. That'd be fine. Um, Good principles, I think. I'd like to finish by a suggestion here. Maybe what is really exciting about being born to work is that God 
who is in heaven, is still at work. And we as Christians will join him there as creatures made in his image. So we may be working in heaven. But work is a good thing. We were born to work. But we work for God. That's what makes it a good thing.